for another session. Welcome. Yes. Ready for another session. In, uh, often it happens that people tell me, I love Jesus, but I don't have anything with Israel. Många gånger så säger folk till mig, jag älskar Jesus, men jag har ingenting att göra med Israel. And there are a lot of people in our Christian churches who love Israel, som Israel but oh, who love Jesus, som Jesus but don't have anything with Israel. Men vill inte ha något göra med Israel. Is that sustainable? Är det något som man kan hålla fast vid? In Norway you have a queen, uh, you have a king. I Norge har du en konge. In the Netherlands we also have a king. I Nederländerna har vi också en konge. And his wife comes from Argentina. Och hans kone kommer från Argentina. Years ago when our king was still a prince. Eh, för många år sedan när vår konge fortsatt var prins. His mother was our queen. Så var hans mamma vår dronning. And he was young and he traveled to the United States. Och han var ung och han reste till USA. And he visited a conference in New York. Han besökte en konferens i New York. And there he met a beautiful, very beautiful lady from Argentina. Och där mötte han en väldigt vacker kvinna från Argentina. And they fell in love. Och de blev förälskade. And they started meeting. Och de började mötas. And chatting. Och de började chatta. And calling. Och ringa. And their love grew and grew and grew. Och kärleken växte och växte och växte. And on a day they sat together and they said to each other i love you so much i want to share my life with you forever. Och en dag så sa de till varandra jag älskar dig så högt att jag vill gärna dela mitt liv med dig. But now suppose. Men låt oss se då. It did not happen like this. Att det hade skett på den måten. But just suppose. Men låt oss se bara anta. The young girl's name was Maxima. Att den unga jentans namn var Maxima. Zorgeta from Argentina. Pardon? Zorietta from Argentina. Zorietta from Argentina. Suppose that she would tell her boyfriend Willem Alexander the Prince. Tänk om hon hade sagt till sin kärste William Alexander Prince. Suppose she would tell him, "Look, Willem, I love you so much. I want to share my life with you, but I have one problem." Tänk om hon hade sagt till den unge prinsen, "William, jag älskar dig så högt." Jag vill dela mitt liv med dig, men jag har ett problem. I have nothing with Holland. Jag vill inte ha något att göra med Holland. And I don't feel anything for the Dutch people. Och jag föredrar inte något för det uh, nederländska folk. Then Willem says, "Well, but now you have a problem." Då säger Willem, "Nu har vi ett problem." Because when my mother will draw back, så so för när min mamma vill dra tillbaka. I will be the king of Holland. Så vill jag bli konge av Holland. And I'm a Dutch person myself. Och jag är själv en en nederländsk person. And then suppose that she would say, well, I know that, but I don't feel anything for Dutch people and I don't have anything with Holland. Och tänk om hon hade sagt, väl jag vet det om det, vet att du är nederländsk. Men jag har ingenting, ingen förelse för det. Then Willem will say to her, well, let's go to a therapist in counseling, marriage counseling. Så säger Willem till henne, låt oss gå till en familjeterapeut för äktenskapsrådgivning. And Maxima tells a story to the marriage counseling. Och Maxima säger historien till äktenskapsrådgivaren. And then the therapist says, well, dear lady Maxima, you can better not marry him. 
Og si terapeuten, kjære fru Maxima, du bør ikke gifte deg med ham. Because he will be the king of Holland. For han kommer til å være konge over Holland. You will live in a palace in Holland. Og du skal leve i et slott i Holland. And your life is totally all in the protocols of the Netherlands. Og ditt liv kommer til å reise seg alt sammen om folket i Nederland. You will be very unhappy. Du kommer til å være veldig ulykkelig. This didn't happen. But suppose. Men låt det som att det var så. Now suppose I say I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. Tänk om jag säger jag är kristen och älskar Jesus. But I don't have anything with Israel. Men jag vill inte ha något att göra med Israel. And I don't have anything with the Jewish people. Och jag vill inte ha något att göra med det nederländska folk. Then you go to a religious counseling. Så går du till en religiös rådgivning. You go to a pastor. Du går till en pastor. And you tell the pastor, look pastor. Och du säger till pastorn, se nu här pastor. I love Jesus. Jag älskar Jesus. But I don't have anything with Israel and the Jewish people. Men jag vill inte ha göra med Israel och det judiska folket. Then the pastor will say, så vill pastorn säga, then you have a huge problem. Då har vi ett stort problem. Because your savior is a Jew. För det är en frälsare är jude. And when he will come back, he will be the king of Israel. Och när han kommer tillbaka blir han konge över Israel. Perhaps you can better consider to become a Muslim. Pardon? Yeah, yeah. Perhaps you can better consider. Because Mohammed didn't have anything with Israel. And Islam doesn't have anything with Jews. So if you say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. But I don't have anything with Israel and the Jews. Perhaps it's more easy to become a Muslim. So, in the previous... <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> But it's true. It's true. Yeah, that's all. It's terrible, but it's true. That's pretty but that's all. In the previous sessions, we read a lot of Bible texts. In the earlier sessions, we read many Bible texts about the return of the Jewish people in the end of time. Om hjemkomsten av jødiske folk i endens tid. Since half 19th century, Jews are going back to the land of Israel. Siden den siste del av det 19. århundre så har jødene flyttet tilbake til sitt hjemland Israel. And the state of Israel was re-established in 1948. Og staten Israel ble gjenetablert i 1948. And now half of the Jewish people worldwide live in Israel. Og nå bor halvparten av jødefolket i verden over i Israel. And the second half yet has to come. Og den andre halvdelen har enda ikke kommet. Every year about 30,000 Jews go back to Israel. Hvert år kommer ca. 30.000 jøder tilbake til Israel. Last year, 2022, 70,000 Jews went back to Israel. I fjor, i 2022, så var det 70.000 jøder som kom hjem til Israel. From 90 countries. Fra 90 nasjoner. Also because of the war in Ukraine. Også på grunn av krigen i Ukraina. Our organization Christians for Israel. Vår organisasjon Christians for Israel. Since the war broke out. Siden krigen brøt ut. We already assisted 6,000 Jews to go back from Ukraine to Israel. Vi har allerede assistert 6,000 jøder og kommet tilbake fra Ukraina til Israel. And now my presentation of this evening is a sensitive one. Så er min presentasjon for i kveld den er veldig følsom. Because the question is, is the return of the Jewish people just an issue of Israel? And as a Christian, I have nothing to do with it. 
Or do I as Christian have anything to do with that? Eller har jag som kristen något att göra med detta? There are a few Bible texts. Det är några få bibeltexter that speak about the role of the Messiah Jesus. Som snackar om rollen till Messias Jesus. In the return of the Jewish people. I tillbakakomsten av det judiska folket. We know all the texts that the Lord says that he will bring back the Jews from the four corners of the earth. Vi känner alla texter om judarna att Herren säger att bringa tillbaka judarna från de världens fyra hörnen. But there are about six, seven Bible texts. Men det är omlag sex, sju bibelavsnitt. That teaches us that God gives a commandment to the Son of God. Och det som lär oss att Gud ger ett bud till Guds son. That he must bring back the Jews to the land of Israel. Att han må bringa tillbaka judarna till Israels land. And I want to read these passages with you. A few and first of all, we're going to read Isaiah 49. This is one of a wonder, this is a wonderful text. Because in this text, Isaiah doesn't speak about the servant of the Lord. But God speaks directly to the son of to, to the to the servant of God. Men Gud talar direkt till Herrens tjänare. We know that Jesus is the servant of the Lord. Vi vet att Jesus är Herrens tjänare. And he will be born 600 years later. Och han kommer att bli född 600 år senare. So how can God speak directly to the Messiah? Så hur kan Gud tala direkt till Messias? That's because the Messiah was for eternity with the father in heaven. Och det är för Messias var i all evighet med fadern i himlen. In the gospel of John we can read in the first chapter. I Johannes evangelium kan vi läsa i första kapitel. In the beginning was the word. I begynnelsen var ordet. And the word was with God. Och ordet var med Gud. And the word was God. Och ordet var Gud. And the word became flesh. Och ordet blev kött. And lived among us. Och levde bland oss. So the word of God, the Messiah. Så ord, Guds ord Messias. Lived from Eternity with the Father in heaven. Lev dem i evighet med Fadern i himlen. And now the Lord speaks to him. Och nu talar Herren till honom. And now says the Lord. Och nu säger Herren. Who formed me from the womb to be his servant. Som formet mig från mors liv till att vara hans tjänare. To bring to bring Jacob back to him. Och bringa Jakob tillbaka till honom. So that Israel might be gathered to him. Slik att Israel kan bli samlat till honom. He says, it, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So God speaks to the servant of the Lord. Så Gud talar till Herrens tjänare. And God says two things. Och Gud säger två ting. I will make you a light of the nations. Jag vill göra dig till ljus för nationerna. And you will be my salvation until the end of the earth. Och du ska vara min frälsare in till jordens ände. We all agree. Vi är alla eniga. That this is about the Messiah. Att detta är om Messias. Because Jesus later said, "I am the light of the life." For Jesus sa senare, "Jag är livets ljus." And Jesus is our salvation. Och Jesus är vår frälsare. 
to the ends of the earth. So God gives this as an, an appointment, as a commandment to the Messiah. So God gave this as an appointment to Messiah. But the Lord also says something else. He also says, you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. And restore the protected ones of Israel. So, the servant of the Lord, we, and we know it's Jesus. He gets two tasks. Han får två uppdrag. Two commandments. Två befallningar. To be a light for the nations. Och vara ett ljus för nationerna. And to bring back the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Och att bringa tillbaka judefolket till Israels land. That's interesting, eh? Det är intressant, ja. That he will be a light of the nations we att, always heard in the here in the church. Att han är ljus till nationerna, det har vi alltid hört i menigheten. But that Jesus will bring back the Jewish people, that men, was rather new for me. Men Jesus for one of another reason, I never read this during my theology study. <laughs> Even I read the Bible several times. But for one or another reason, it was just a few years ago that my eyes are open for this passage. Let's go to another Bible passage. Isaiah 42. Because also in this text, the Lord directly speaks to the Messiah. The servant of the Lord. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand. And watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people. As a light to the nations. To open blind eyes. To bring out prisoners from the dungeon. And those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Here the Lord speaks to the Messiah. Two tasks. First, he will be appointed as a covenant to the people. So the Messiah will be a covenant to the people of Israel. In church history, we often thought that when Jesus came, the covenant with Israel was finished. And the new covenant was only with the Christian church. But here the Lord says, I will appoint you as a covenant to the people. What is a covenant? We learned eh, this morning and yesterday, we learned that Jesus made, he established the new covenant with Israel. That was by Jeremiah. But now Jesus will be a covenant himself to the people of Israel. What is a covenant? 
A covenant is some kind of a pact, a deal, a contract. En pakt er en slags pakt, en avtal, en kontrakt. And that that contract, that pact, will guarantee that all the promises will be fulfilled. Og den pakten vil garantere at alle løftene vil bli oppfylt. If I go to the bank to have a mortgage to buy a house, then I sign together with the bank a covenant. And in that covenant, I promise that I will repay all the interest and all the loan to the bank in 30 years. So God says to the Messiah, I will appoint you as a covenant to the people of Israel. So that means that all the promises that God made to Israel will be fulfilled through Jesus. And God did a lot of promises. And many of those promises are about the return of the Jewish people in the end of times. So, so who is responsible for the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, the Lord of our church. Jesus, Herren for vår menighet. The Savior of my life. Frelseren er for mitt liv. And then the second commandment. Og den andre pakten, den andre befalingen. That God will appoint him as a light to the nations. Han, at du skal utnevne han som et lys til nasjonene. I don't have to explain that. Jeg trenger ikke å forst- forklare det. Jesus is the light of my life. Jesus er mitt livs lys. He is the light of your life. Han er lys for ditt liv. And we are not Jews. Og vi er ikke jøder. But the light of Jesus also shines to the nations. Men Jesu lys skinner også til nasjonene. And then, the, Jesus will open blind eyes. Og Jesus vil så åpne blinde øyne. Many billions of Gentiles, their eyes were opened for Jesus. Mange billion milliarder av hedninger, deres øyne ble åpnet for Jesus. But he will also bring out prisoners out of the dungeon. Men han kommer også til å få fanger ut av hulene. In many passages in the Old Testament, i mange avsnitt i det gamle testamentet, when Jews live outside Israel, når jøde lever utenfor Israel, they live in exile, så lever de i eksil, and the Bible calls that living in a prison. Og Bibelen kaller det å leve i et fengsel. When a Jew does not live in the promised land, når en jøde ikke lever i løfteslandet, in a certain way he lives in a prison. På en, en viss måte så lever han i et fengsel. And he will be really free when he lives in the promised land of Israel. Og han kommer til å bli virkelig fri når han lever i løfteslandet i Israel. So, Jesus is the light of my life. So Jesus I believe's lease and he is now busy in managing the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Och det travet idag upptatt travet upptatt idag av tillbakavändningen av det judiska folk till Israels land. In all the years that Jesus lived in Israel, genom alla de år där Jesus levde i Israel, from his birth in Bethlehem until his ascension to heaven, Frans fødsel i Betlehem til han steg opp til himmelen. He was never busy with bringing Jews back to the land of Israel. Så var han aldri opptatt av å bringe jøder tilbake til Israels land. Jesus was involved in other things. Jesus var involvert i andre ting. That is, 
preaching and teaching and healing people in the land of Israel. Det er å forkynne og undervise og helbrede mennesker i Israels land. And fulfilling his commandment to die on the cross for our sins. Og fyre hans befaling om å dø på korset for Jesus. And resurrect from heaven. Og til å stå opp igjen fra de døde. From the death. Fra de døde. Jesus never brought Jews back to the land of Israel. Jesus brakte aldri jøde tilbake til Israels land. Because it was then not yet the time to bring the Jews back to the land of Israel. Because the big diaspora still has to come. And 40 years later it happened. And 70 after Christ. But now Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And now we witness a return from the, of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. That is even larger than the return out of Egypt. And larger than the return of the Babylonian exile. Millions of Jews returned to Israel. And Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge. This text from Isaiah 49 that I just read with you comes back in the New Testament. Several times. Let's read one passage. It's the moment that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And a few weeks after Maria gave her child, she recovered from giving her baby. Og noen uker etter at Maria fikk barn, så kom hun seg igjen etter å ha født barnet. Og så dro Josef og Maria til tempelet. Med den lille babyen Jesus. Og i tempelet så møtte de en mann som het Simon. En gudfryktig mann. Og Gud hadde gitt ham a revelation that he would not die before seeing the Messiah with his own eyes. And then he got filled with the Holy Spirit and started prophesying. We're going to read this passage. Luke 2. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law, Then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the people, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Et lys til åpenbaring overfor hedningene. And the glory of your people Israel. Og til herlighet for ditt folk Israel. So, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Så inspirert av det hellige ånd. Simeon repeats Isaiah 49. Så gjentar Simeon Isaiah 49. He says Jesus will be a light for revelation for the Gentiles. Jesus is the light of my life. Jesus And he will take care of the glory for his people Israel. What is the glory for his people Israel? In the Greek text it says the word doxa. Uh, I den greske teksten så står det at det var doksa, herlighet. And that means the restoration of the honor of someone. The, the honor. He will take care for the honor and the restoration wow. of the honor. Doksa betyr yeah. at han vil ta seg av gjenopprettelsen av en persons ære. So Jesus will restore the honor, the glory for Israel. Så so Jesus vil gjenopprette æren, herligheten for Israel. What does that mean? Hva betyr det? In the days of Simeon, I til Simeon Israel lived in dishonor. Så ville lever Israel i vanner. Many Jews did not live in the country of Israel yet. Mange jøder levde ennå ikke i landet. Most of the ten tribes never returned to Israel. De fleste av de ti stammene vendte aldri tilbake til Israel. Israel was occupied by the Romans. And, Israel, uh, was occupied. Israel ble okkupert av romerne. And they ruled Israel brutally. When is the glory and the honor of Israel restored? When all the Jews are back in the country. When they praise the Lord. When they obey the commandments of God. When they are a holy priesthood. And they glorify the God of Israel. That's the honor of Israel. But even after Simeon it became even worse. Many Jews were scattered all over the world. So still Jesus has the task to restore the glory of Israel. Så fortsatt har Jesus oppdraget med å gjenopprette æren for Israel. And now he is busy with that. Og nå er han travelt opptatt med det. And it's a huge challenge. Og det er en stor utfordring. When we look what's happening in Israel. Når vi ser hva som skjer i Israel. And that many countries accuse Israel. Og mange land anklager Israel. There is a lot work to do for the Messiah. Det er masse arbeid å gjøre for Messias. He is busy. I think it's wonderful that this quote in Isaiah comes back in the New Testament. And in Matthew 24, Jesus says, And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast. Han vil sende ut sine engler med stort trompetbrød. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds. Og de vil samle sammen hans utvalgte fra de fire vinder. From the one end of the sky to the other. Fra den ene enden i skyene til den andre. 
Jesus speaks of the end of times. Jesus talar om tids, tidens ende. And he says that when the son of man will come back. Och när han säger att när människosön kommer tillbaka. His elect will be gathered to Israel. Så vill hans utvalda bli samlade i Israel. In the Old Testament we can often read I det gamla testamentet kan vi ofta läsa that when the Jewish people will come back to the land of Israel att när det judiska folk kommer tillbaka till landet Israel they will come from the four ends of the earth så kommer de från de fyra änder av av jorden so his elect are the Jewish people så hans utvalda är det judiska folk we are not the elect vi är inte utvalda because we don't have to be in gathered to Israel för vi tränger inte vara samlade i Israel we live in the countries where we are living in. Vi lever i de land som vi bor i. The Bible says that God gave every nation its own territory to live. Gud sa att han gav var nation sitt eget territorium att bo i. And Israel in the midst. Och be Israel i deras mitte. If Jesus come back and the kingdom will be established over the whole wide world, the Norwegian people can just live in the kingdom in Norway. Och när Jesus kommer tillbaka och Guds rike etableras över hela den ganska jord, då kan det norska folk fortsätta att leva här i and Norge. The, and the Dutch people live in Holland. Och de nederländska kan leva i Holland. And we will resurrect from the dead and receive our eternal heavenly body. Och vi står upp ifrån de döda och mottar våra eviga himmelska legemer. But the Jews belong in their own country. Men judarna tillhör i deras eget land. And if there are still Jews not living in Israel when Jesus comes back, his angels will take care of it. So his angels will take care of it. Praise God. Now I want to read. I told you that Isaiah 49 is three times coming back in the New Testament. Simeon and Luke was the first one. Simeon and Lucas, in Lucas, were the first. The next text I'm going to read with you. The next text I'm going to read. And that's a difficult text. That is a difficult text. A difficult text for pastors to preach about. A difficult text for pastors to preach about. Because there is a woman that asks Jesus for help. For there is a woman that asks Jesus for help. And the response that Jesus gives to that woman. Oh, the response that Jesus gives to that woman sounds very. Hard and a bit cruel. Oh, hör det väldigt hårt ut och lite brutal ut. But we need to understand what Jesus means. Men vi tänker förstå vad Jesus menar. I'm going to read with you Matthew 15. Jag ska läsa med er Matteus 15. Matthew 15, verse 22. Matteus 15, vers. Can you give me two? Yeah. Matteus 15, vers 22. Thank you. Let's read. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, "Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David." Och en kanaanitisk kvinna från den regionen kom ut och började ropa ut och sa, "Var nådig med mig, Herre, oss Davidsen." My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Min dotter är allvarligt demonbesatt. But Jesus answered and said, "Men Jesus svarade och sa." I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jag blev sent bara till de tappade får i Israels hus. But she came and began to bow down before him. Men hon kom och började böja sig ned för honom. Saying, Lord, help me. Och sa, Herre, hjälp mig. Yet he answered and said. Men han svarade och sa, 
It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog. Det er ikke godt å ta barnas brød og kaste det til hundene. And she said, yes, Lord, but please help. Men hun sa, ja, herre, men vær så snill og hjelp. For even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from their master's table. For til og med hundene, de får mat fra de smulene som faller fra deres mesters bord. Then Jesus said to her, Da sa Jesus til henne, O woman, your faith is great. Å kvinne, din tro er stor. It shall be done for you as you desire. Det skal bli gjort til deg som du ønsker. And her daughter was healed at once. Og hennes datter ble helbredet øyeblikkelig. Jesus went outside of Israel. Jesus drog utenfor Israel. To Lebanon. Til Lebanon. In the area of Tyrus and Sidon. Til området rundt Tyrus og Sidon. And a non-Jewish woman, a Canaanite woman, came to Jesus. Og en ikke-jødisk kvinne, en kanonitisk kvinne, kom til Jesus. And she calls him son of David. Og hun kaller han for Davids sønn. That's his messianic title. Det er et messiansk titel. Son of David, that's the messianic title of Jesus in the line of King David. Davids sønn er messianske titel for Jesus i linjen fra kong David. So she recognizes Jesus as the future messiah. Så hun anerkjenner Jesus som den kommende messias. And then she asks him for help. Og så ber hun ham om hjelp. You might think Jesus er will help her immediately because Jesus is always full of compassion with people who need his help. Man skulle tro at Jesus ville hjelpe henne umiddelbart, for Jesus er alltid full av medvidenhet overfor folk som trenger hjelp. Because that's the image that we have of Jesus. Fordi det er det bildet vi har av Jesus. And then Jesus says to her, Og så sa Jesus til henne, Sorry. Beklager. I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jeg er bare sendt til de tapte får i Israels hus. Why does Jesus give this answer? Hvorfor ga Jesus dette svar? Jesus has two tasks. Jesus har to oppdrag. To be a light for the nations. For å være et lys for nasjonen. But Jesus can be a light for the nations only after he died on the cross for our sins and resurrected from the dead. Jesus kan bare være et lys for nasjonen når han har dødd på korset for å bli synder og så har blitt gjennomstått fra de døde. But that work of salvation still has to be done. Men dette frelsens verk måtte like fortsatt gjøres. So at that moment... He cannot be yet a light for the nations. Fordi i det øyeblikket kunne han enda ikke ha blitt lys til nasjonene. And the second task is, Og det andre oppgaven er, Bring back the scattered Jews to the land of Israel. Bring tilbake de altspredte fårene til Israels land. The second task he yet cannot accomplish. Den andre oppgaven som han enda fortsatt ikke kunne utrette, So the only thing that Jesus can do is bring back the Jewish people. Så det eneste som Jesus kunne gjøre var å bringe tilbake de jødiske folk. His second task. Hans andre oppdrag. So the answer that Jesus gives to that woman is correct. Så det svaret som Jesus gir til kvinnen er korrekt. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jeg ble bare sendt til de tapte får av Isaias hus. Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. We as Christians always thought that lost sheep that are correct. Jews who do not believe in Jesus and are forever lost. Vi som kristne har tidligere tenkt at tapte får fra Israel som ikke har tatt imot Jesus, de er for evig fortapt. But the Greek word apolumi that is mentioned here, Men det greske ordet som nevnes her, That Greek word also means something that gets lost. I can't find it anymore. I can't find it anymore. I can't find it anymore. Something that's lost. Og det greske ordet betyr også at det som er betapt, 
kan jeg ikke lenger finne. You know, you remember 100 sheep. Dere husker one sheep got lost. 100 får, en som ble borte. He was somewhere looking for food and he he forgot the road and the other flock was away and he didn't know how to come back to the flock. And Jesus said, the shepherd let the 99 sheep alone and went looking for that one lost sheep. That's what this word means. So who are the lost sheep of the house of Israel? That are the Jews who do not live in the land of Israel. Who live scattered out of Israel. Who lost the road. And Jesus has to bring them back to the land of Israel. Isaiah 49. So that's correct answer. Så det er korrekt svar. But then, the woman, instead of being insulted, she kept on, Lord, help me. Kvinnen, i stedet for å bli fornærmet, hun fortsatte å si, Herre, hjelp meg. And then, Jesus says, yeah, sorry, but the bread, I'm the bread that comes from heaven, is for the Jewish people. Men han sa, beklage, men dette brødet som jeg har, det er for de jødiske folk. And she is a Gentile woman. Og hun er en hedens kvinne far away from the citizenship of Israel. Langt unna fra borgerskapet i Israel. You remember Ephesus 2 this morning? Believing in other gods. Tro på vår Gud. And Jesus calls her a dog. Og Jesus kaller henne en hund. If I call you a dog, you can bring me into court. And perhaps you win the case. And I have to pay you thousands and thousands of crowns. So I will not call you a dog. But do you understand why the people of Israel are in those days, the children and the Gentiles who do not believe in God are the dogs? Er du klar over at Israels folk på den tiden var barna, og hedninger som ikke tatt imot Jesus, de er hundene? And now what's happening? Og nå skjer det. Normally you might think that this woman is insulted. Vanligvis så vil du tenke at denne kvinnen ble fornærmet. You might think that this woman will get angry. Du vil kanskje tenke at denne kvinnen vil bli sint. And start shouting to Jesus. Og begynne å rope på Jesus. And go away. Og gå vekk. But no. Men nei. You know what she says? Vet du hva han sa? She says, yes, Lord. So she agrees. She agrees that the Jewish people are the children and that she is a dog. She agrees. She already said, Lord, son of David. This woman had more faith than many Jews in the days of Jesus. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from their master's table. We listened this afternoon to what Andrew told us about all the condemnations of the United Nations to Israel. Suppose that all the members of the United Nations should stand up and suppose, suppose imagine that they will pray to God 
And that they will say, God in heaven. Oh, so the dogs feed of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And that all the United Nations member states start, start blessing Israel. And accepting that Israel's children are the children of God. And Jesus hears what that woman says. And he is so touched by her faith. That her daughter is healed. At, uh, han Jesus already gave that woman a glimpse of his future being a light for the nations. Og Jesus gav henne allerede et glimt inn i det, hans fremtidige oppdrag overfor nasjonene. A prophetic glimpse for the future. Et profetisk glimt inn i fremtiden. Matthew 15. Matteus 15. Is Isaiah 49. Er Jesaja 49. A wonderful, impressive text. En vidundelig historie. But there is a third passage in the New Testament. Men det er et tredje avsnitt i det Nye Testamentet. That repeats Isaiah 49. Som gjentar Jesaja 49. A light for the nations. Lys for nasjonene. And bringing back the Jewish people. Og bringe tilbake det jødiske folk. And that's also a text I often read it and didn't understand it. Det er også et avsnitt som jeg ofte har lest, men ikke har forstått. But after I understood Isaiah 49, I understood that, that wonderful text. And then we go to the moment before the death of Jesus. Jesus went to Jerusalem. And many thousands of Jews followed Jesus. And believed in him. And it was a huge movement. Det var en stor and then the high priest Caiaphas, kom, uh, Caiaphas, he was afraid that the movement around Jesus might result in a revolution. Han var for at Jesus kunne I en revolution. A revolution against the occupier Romans. En mot and Caiaphas was afraid that the Romans would send an army and slaughter thousands of Jews. So high priest Caiaphas thought we can better kill Jesus. So Caiaphas Jesus. And bring rest and calm back in Jerusalem. And avoid a revolution and a slaughter and a bloodshed. And so he calls the high council. And starts speaking to them. But at the moment he spoke. Men to the high council, suddenly the Holy Spirit takes over the lead. <laughs> and Caiaphas, instead of convincing the, the high council, Caiaphas starts prophesying. And then he's going to tell things that perhaps he didn't want to say. And we can read it in John 11, verse 49. But one of them, Caiaphas, 
Kaifas, who was high priest that year, som var det året, said to them, dem, You know nothing at all. Nor are you taking into account that it is in your best interest that one man die for the people. Heller ikke tar dere med i beregningen at det er i deres egne beste interesser at en man dør for folket. And that the whole nation not perish instead. Og at ikke hele nasjonen i stedet uh, forgår. Now he didn't say this on his own. Han sa ikke dette på egen hånd. But as he was high priest that year. Men ettersom han var øverste prest det året. He prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. Så profeterte han at Jesus kom til å dø for nasjonen. And not for the nation only. Og ikke bare for nasjonen. But in order that he might also gather together into one the men, children of God who are scattered abroad. Men også for at han skulle kunne samles sammen inntil en, en enhet, barna, Guds barn, som var alspredt i utlendighet. So, you, remember, you, you understand what's happening, eh? Så dere forstår hva som skjer. He says, we can better kill Jesus. Han sa, vi kan heller drepe Jesus. Instead of that the whole nation will die. Well, that is the gospel of Jesus. Jesus will die as the one and only man. So that we do not have to die anymore. He is going to die in our place. That's the gospel. But then, Caiaphas is adding something else. Men så legger Caiaphas til noe mer. He says that Jesus will also gather together the children of God who are scattered abroad. At Jesus skal også samle sammen Guds barn som er alspredt i utlendighet. Who are the children of God who are scattered abroad? Hvem er Guds barn som er alspredt i utlendighet? Are we as Christians the children that are scattered abroad? Er vi som kristne barna som er alspredt i utlendighet? No. Nei. We are not scattered abroad. Vi er ikke alt spredt ut i utlendighet. Norwegian Christians live in Norway. Norske kristne lever i Norge. You are not scattered abroad. Dere er ikke alt spredt ut i utlendighet. I am a Dutchman and I live in Holland. Jeg er en nederlender og jeg bor i Holland. I am not scattered abroad. Jeg er ikke alt spredt i utlendighet. Who are the children of God who are scattered abroad? Hvem er Guds barn som er alt spredt i utlendighet? The Jewish people that, the folk. that still do not live in the land of Israel. Det jødiske folk som fortsatt ikke lever i Israels land. So what's Caiaphas doing? Så hva er det Caiaphas gjør? He quotes Isaiah 49. Han siterer Isaiah 49. Jesus will die so that we don't have to die. Jesus vil dø så ikke vi trenger å dø. He is the light of my life. Han er mitt livs lys. And he will bring back together the scattered Jews. Og han skal bringe sammen igjen det altspredte jødene. That's the full Jesus. Det er den fulle Jesus. Many Christians only believe in half Jesus. Mange kristne tror bare på den halve Jesus. The light of the nations. Lys for nasjonene. But the other half of Jesus. Men den andre halvdelen av Jesus. Is the king of Israel. Det er Isas konge. And he will bring back the Jewish people. Han vil bringe tilbake det jødiske folk. To the land of Israel. Til Isas land. So, this is a wonderful text. Dette er en vidundelig tekst. And that's why Zacharias... Og derfor sa Zakaria... Oh no, this is... Um, yeah, this is Mary in her song. That, that's why Mary can express in her song... Derfor vil 
kan Maria uttrycka sin sång. That when Jesus will be born. Att när Jesus blir född. That he will he was given to help his servant Israel. Att han blev gitt för att hjälpa sin tjänare Israel. In remembrance of his mercy. I hans ändelösa barmhärtighet. Just as he spoke to our fathers. Akkurat som han talade till våra fäder. To Abraham and his descendants. Och till Abraham och hans efterkommare. That's why Mary when she is pregnant of Jesus. Därför då Maria var gravid med Jesus. And speaks about her future son. Och talar om sin framtida son. She can say he is going to help Israel. Han ska hjälpa Israel. He is going to fulfill the promises of God. Han ska uppfylla Guds löften. Spoken to our fathers. Som är uttalat till våra fäder. And that is a wonderful wonderful text. Och det är en vidundlig vidundlig avsnitt. And that's why the Lord says in Jeremiah 31. Därför säger Herren i Jeremia 31. We read the text earlier of the new covenant. Vi har läst texten tidigare från den nya pakt. The Lord speaks in in Jeremiah 31 also to the nations. Herren talar i i Jeremia 31 också till nationer. Mostly Jeremiah speaks to the people of Israel. För det mesta talar Jeremia till Israels folk. But in one passage he speaks to the nations. Men i ett avsnitt så talar han till nationerna. And he speaks to us. Och han talar till oss. And then the Lord says to us. Så säger Herren till oss. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Hör Herrens ord, dere nationer. And declare it in the coastlands far away. Och erklär det till kysterna långt borta. And see, he who scattered Israel will gather him. Han som avspredde Israel vill samla ham. And he will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. Och han vill bevara ham som en hyrde bevarar sin flock. So we as Christians, we have a commandment of God. Så vi som kristna har en befaling från Gud. Declare it in the coastlands far away. Erklär det i kysterna långt borta. So what do we have to declare in the coastlands far away? Vad är det vi ska erklära i kystområdena långt borta? That the Lord will bring back the scattered Jewish people in the land of Israel. Att Herren vill bringa tillbaka de allspredda folkene judar till Israel. So it is a commandment for all of us as pastors. Det är en befaling till alla oss här. Preach and teach in your churches. Undervis och förkyn i din menighet. And tell it to the politicians. Och fortell det till politikerna. And declare it in the coastlands far away. Och erklär det i kystområdena långt borta. Norway is a coastland. Norge er et kystland. Not every country is a coastland. Ikke alle land har kyst. Norway is a coastland. Norge er et kystland. I cannot imagine how many thousands of kilometers on coastland Norway has. Jeg kan ikke forestille meg hvor mange tusen av kilometer Norge har av kystområdet. So Norway has the task. Så Norge har oppdraget. Preach it. Forkynn det. God who scattered away the Jewish people. Gud har avspredt de jødiske folk. In 70 after Christ. I år 70 etter Kristus. He will now bring them in. Han vil nå bringe dem inn. And Jesus is busy. Og Jesus sier. And he will continue. Han vil fortsette. Bringing in the Jewish people. Og bringe inn de jødiske folk. To the land of Israel. Til Israels land. And we have to preach about it. Og vi må preke det alt. Mainly of also in Norway. Kanskje også i Norge. Because 
from perspective of Israel, Norway is a coastland far away. Fra Israels perspektiv så er Norge et kystland langt borte. Så Jeremiah 31, vers 10, i Jeremia 31, vers 10, er en vondelig tekst for Norge. Er en vidunderlig tekst for Norge. And for Holland. Og for Holland. We are also a coastland. Vi er også et kystland. And for Denmark. Og for Danmark. Også et kystland. Many coastlands. Mange kystland. We have a lot of work to do. Vi har masse arbeid å utføre. May God bless us. Må Gud velsigne oss. In this wonderful task. I denne vidundige oppdrag. Thank you. Takk. Well, dear friends, what I want to spend a little bit of time this evening is uh, thinking about the difficult situation that Israel is in right at the moment. Kjære venner, det jeg gjerne bruker litt tid på i kveld er å tenke på den vanskelige tid som Israel opplever. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting a lot of messages and information about all of the atrocities which have been committed. Jeg vet ikke hvordan det er med deg, men jeg får masse informasjon og meldinger om alle overgrepene som er utført. And the whole idea that more than 200 Jewish people are kept as hostages. Og hele tanken om at mer enn 200 jøder holdes som gissler. In Gaza at the moment. I Gaza for øyeblikket. And it's a, the Israeli army is getting ready for a campaign to go into the Gaza Strip. Og den israelske her gjør seg klar til kampanjen for å gå inn i Gaza. And we have a lot of people in Palestine, Palestinians in Gaza are being killed. Mange mennesker i Palestina i Gaza blir drept. They're leaving, they've lost their homes, they're having to move from the north of Gaza down to the south. De mister sine hjem, og de har mistet mange ting, og måtte flytte fra nord i Gaza til sør. Hamas is still in charge in the Gaza Strip. Hamas har fortsatt styringen på Gaza-stripen. And they're preventing supplies coming in from Egypt. Og de hindrer forsyninger kommer inn fra Egypt. So it's not easy to see how this is going to be solved. Så det er ikke lett å se hvordan dette skal løses. And even if... Israel succeeds in taking out Hamas leaders and militants. Og selv når Israel tar ut Hamas ledere og soldater. It's hard to see how they really will take out the spirit of Hamas from Gaza and from this whole area. Så er det vanskelig å se for seg hvordan de skal ta vekk Hamas' ånd fra Gaza og hele dette området. So it's very challenging for us as Christians, I think, to think about what is our attitude towards this. So det er veldig vanskelig for oss som kristne, tror jeg, å tenke på hva er vår holdning til dette. I have a lot of conversations with Christians who are worried about that maybe we're supporting Israel too much. Jeg har mange samtaler med kristne som er bekymret og synes vi støtter Israel for mye. We should be showing more of the love of Jesus, which is, a, is about mercy and justice and forgiveness. Og vi bør vise mye mer av Jesu kjærlighet som dreier seg om barmhjertighet, kjærlighet og tilgivelse. Um, I thought there, there may be two ways to, to be looking at this. Og det er mange, minst to måter å se på dette. One is just not from a especially Christian perspective, but just one from a perspective of government, of, um, of good leadership. 
Det ene er ikke først og fremst kristen perspektiv, men det gælder godt lederskab, god styring. How should our nations respond to this conflict? Hvordan bør vores nationer gensvare på denne konflikten? Uh, that's one way. The other side is how do we as Christians personally relate to this? Og den det er den ene siden, og den andre er hvordan skal vi kristne personligt forholde oss til dette? And uh, the Bible speaks very clearly about nations. Bibelen taler veldig klart om nationer. And the relation of nations to Israel. Og relation mellem nationer og, og, og Israel. So I think we have a responsibility into our own nation, into Se. Norway, into the Netherlands, into Australia. Så jeg tror vi har et ansvar inn i våre egne nasjoner, inn i Nederland, inn i Norge, inn i Australia. To, um, to ask our governments to respond in the right way. Og be våre regjeringer å gjensvare på den riktige måten. And I do think that our western governments have contributed a lot to this whole situation. Och jag synes att våra västliga regeringar har bidragit väldigt till denna situation. All the things I've talked about over the last day we have really promoted and allowed this kind of extremist uh, Allt det jag snackat om de sista dögnen vi har verkligen gjort masse för att tillåta denna sort av extremism. The hatred of the Jewish people hatet mot judefolket uh, I think bringing in Yasser Arafat in 1973, 1974 from Egypt. Jag tänker att det att bringa in Yasser Arafat i 1973-74 från Egypten. And recognizing him as the leader of the Palestinian people. Och att anerkänna ham som ledare för det palestinska folk. When everybody knew that his goal was to kill Jews. När alla visste att hans mål var att döda judar. This was a huge mistake. Det var en stor feil. So there are a number of um, arguments I think about um, even once this immediate conflict is resolved about how do we relate to the Palestinians and Israel. Det är er många sidor här till och med när denna konflikten är er över hur ska vi förhålla oss till palestinerna och till Israel? And in our in our report we make some recommendations to government. Och i vår rapport så ger vi en del anbefalningar till regeringen. And we say there are really three things that we should be doing. Och vi säger att det är er egentligen tre ting vi bör göra. First of all we should reject extremism. För det första så ska vi avvisa extremism. Um, and we must demand mutual acceptance on both sides of this conflict. Og vi må kreve gjensidig aksept på begge sider av denne konflikten. So we cannot be supporting uh, either side, certainly not the Palestinians, so long as they reject Israel's right to exist. Vi kan ikke støtte noen av sidene som driver og støtter uh, denne ekstremismen. It's sometimes said that Israel does not accept the Palestinians' existence. I don't think that's right. Israel does not accept the right of the Palestinians to statehood. Israel accepts ikke retten som palestinerne måtte ha til statsdannelse. But accepts the rights of Palestinians to exist as Palestinians. Men den accepterer retten som palestinerne har til å eksistere som palestinerne. But the Palestinian leadership does not even accept the right of Jews to live as Jews. Men den palestinske lederskapet accepterer ikke engang retten som jøder har til å leve som jøder. 
And that's what I think must be, uh, must be understood. The second thing is, if we're going to use international law, we should use it fairly and equally to all actors in the region. It's dishonest to be using these international law arguments when really we're talking about something else. Det er uærlig å bruke disse folkerettsargumentene når vi i realiteten snakker om noe annet. And I think thirdly, the most difficult thing will be to strengthen Palestinian institutions of government based on the rule of law. Og jeg tror for det tredje så er det veldig viktig å kunne akseptere og hjelpe palestinere i å utvikle institusjoner som er basert på rettsstaten. Så vi kan we can put aside the question whether the Palestinians are a people or not. Vi kan legge til side spørsmålet om hvorvidt palestinerne er et folk eller ikke. But we do have a group who wants to live separately. Men vi har her en gruppe som ønsker å leve separat. They want some kind of self-determination or autonomy. De ønsker en eller annen sort av selvbestemmelse eller uavhengighet. But you only have that right if you're able and willing to do that peacefully. Men du har bare det hvis du er villig til og i stand til å gjøre det fredelig. So I think any support that we might give as countries, as nations to... Så jeg tenker at enhver støtte som vi kan gi som nasjoner, som land, must be directed to ensuring that they really develop uh, a, a strong society based on the rule of law. So the first is confronting Palestinian rejectionism. The first is confronting palestinsk avvisningsfilosofi. Second is applying, interpreting international law equally. Det andre er å bruke folkeretten på lik måte. I don't want to go into too much detail on this. Jeg vil ikke gå inn i alt for mye detaljer om dette. And the third is establishing conditions of statehood or independence. Og det tredje er å etablere betingelse for statsdannelse. And I do believe there are significant numbers of Arab Palestinians who do want to live genuinely in peace with Israel. Og jeg er helt overvist om at det er mange palestinere som ønsker å leve fredelig og med god relasjon til staten Israel. But it's almost impossible for them to speak out in the context of the Palestinian authority. Men det er nesten umulig for dem å tale ut i sammenheng med den palestinske myndigheten. They risk their lives literally if they speak out positively about Israel. De risikerer sine liv faktisk bokstavlig talt hvis de taler ut positivt til forhold til Israel. So this is going to be a very long and a very slow process. Så dette har vært en veldig langvarig og veldig langsom prosess. We are working with some Palestinian Christians. Vi arbeider med noen palestinske kristne who want to change the culture of their society. Som ønsker å endre sitt samfunnskultur. There's a problem amongst the Palestinian Christians. Det er et problem blant palestinske kristne. There is a stream of Palestinian Christians who are very anti-Israel. Det er en strømning av palestinske kristne som er veldig anti-Israel. They hold to a kind of Palestinian liberation theology. De holder seg til en slags palestinsk frigjøringsteologi. So they say we the Palestinians are the true people of Israel. Oh, they say that we Palestinians are the true Israel's folk. Jesus was a Palestinian. Jesus was a Palestinian. 
So we Christians should be identifying with the Palestinians. Så vi kristne bør identifisere oss med palestinerne. These are not the people we can really work with. Dette er ikke folk vi virkelig kan arbeide med. They're not going to create a culture of peace. De kommer ikke til å skape en kultur av fred. But there are Palestinian Christians who really genuinely believe in the Jewish state of Israel and the right of the Jewish people to nationhood. Men det er palestinere som virkelig ekte tror på eksistens av en stat av staten Israel og vil arbeide for fred. And I think we should we should be working with them. Og jeg mener vi bør arbeide med dem. So that's enough about the policy side of things. Det er nok om kring dette med politikken eller standpunktene. What I thought we might do is just spend a few minutes thinking about why we as Christians, how do we, is it right to be supporting Israel's acting in self-defense against Hamas? Er det riktig for oss som kristne å støtte the politikken which right to self-defense? Using their right to self-defense. Skal vi støtte ISIS rett til selvforsvar imot Hamas? And I'm sure you have conversations with others who say, no, we should be supporting the Palestinians. Og jeg er sikker på at du har hatt samtaler med andre som sier, nei, vi bør støtte palestinerne. So I had a conversation about this with a colleague of mine. She's a professor of international law in Singapore. Jeg har hatt samtale med en kollega jeg har, som er professor i folkeretten i Singapore. She's a Christian. Hun er kristen. And she loves Israel. Og hun elsker Israel. And I asked her, what are the principles that you use to answer this question? Og jeg spurte henne, hva er prinsippene du bruker for å besvare disse spørsmålene? And so she she said the following things. Hun sa de følgende ting. First of all, she said God uses nations to chastise nations. Hun sier for det første, Gud bruker nasjoner til å rense nasjoner, refse nasjoner. So God still has a plan and a purpose with nations, not just with the church and Israel or us individually, but also with our nations. Så Gud har en plan og hensikt med nasjonen, ikke bare med oss individuelt og Israel, men også mellom alle nasjoner. And it's reflected in Genesis 15. Og dette blir reflektert i 1. Mosebok 15. The promise to Abraham is to be a blessing to the nations. Abrahams løfte er å være velsignelse for nasjoner. And those who bless you will be blessed, those who curse you will be cursed. De som velsigner vil bli velsignet, og de som forbanner vil bli forbannet. And also it's about the fullness of the Amorites, when the fullness of the Amorites had come. Og det er også om fylden av Amorittene, når Amorittenes fylde var kommet. Then it was time for Joshua, for Israel to go into the land and to destroy. Da var tiden kommet for Joshua og Israel å gå inn i landet og til inntidøre. So God wants to chastise and lead the nations, and I think he has to teach the nations. Og Gud ønsker å refse og lede nasjonene, og han vil gjerne undervise nasjonene. There's another aspect in Acts 17, when Paul is talking in Athens. Det er et annet aspekt i Apostelene 17, da Paulus taler i Aten. And he's talking about the nations. Han taler om nasjonene. And he says in Acts 17, God made from one man, this is verse 26, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Gud skapte fra ett menneske alle mennesker og alle nasjoner for å leve på jorden. And he determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Han besluttet hvilke tidsperioder de hadde og de grenser som var mellom dem. 
And I think this reflects what we already see in Genesis, I think chapters 9 and 10 when God created the nations. Och jag tror det också reflekteras i första Mosebok 9 och 10 då Gud allredede skapte nationerna. After the flood the 70 uh, children of Noah became the nations of the earth. Efter flommen så blev Noahs barn barna som bebodde världen. And I think the Bible there speaks also about the, the, the land that God is allotted for the nations. So when Israel is defending its land and its borders, it's also a witness to the nations that God has purposefully land for different nations. Also när Israel försvarar sitt land och sina gränser så är er det också ett vittnesbörd till nationen om att Gud han sätter gränser mellan nationer. Now there's another aspect and that is about um, it's about evil. aspect som drar som ondskap. So we live in a world where Satan is still uh, reigning on earth. Vi lever i en världen där Satan fortsatt styrer och regerar på jorden. He has not yet been bound by by God. Han har er fortsatt ännu inte blivit bundet av Gud. He's the prince of the world. Han är er den världens förste. So there is evil in the world and evil is used to destroy or to confront the children of God. Och det finns ondskap i världen och det onde blir brukt för att konfrontera Guds barn. And just as the Israelites fought against Amalek, so we have Hamas, we had Hitler, we have all those other genocidal peoples who want to destroy Israel's barn. Och det är er Hitler och det är er, uh, uh, andra folkmordbevegelser. Uh, Think of the story of Esther and in Persia when they wanted to commit genocide of the Jewish people. Vi känner historien i Esther i Persia och i Esters bok då de ville begå folkmord mot Israels barn. So I think we have an obligation to stand up against those who want to destroy the Jewish people. Så jag tror vi har en förpliktelse att stå upp emot de som önskar att tillintetgöra Israels barn. And the spirit of Hamas and all the other groups like this is really a genocidal spirit. Och onden bak Hamas och liknande grupper är verkligen folkmordsånd. There is another aspect as well, and that is that there is. Well, nobody likes war. There is a place for war. War can be a just thing. Det er et annet aspekt. Ingen liker krig, men krig, det er plass for krig. Krigen er noe rettferdig. So many theologians over the centuries have struggled with this issue. When can nations go to war? Mange teologer har kjempet gjennom generasjoner om dette. Når kan nasjoner gå til krig? And really the rules of international humanitarian law are really developed to reflect the idea that in some situations it's justified to go to war. Men och egentligen så är internationell lagstiftning, krigslagstiftning eh laget för att reflektera att i någon situationer kan det vara rätt att gå till krig. So if we look at the Second World War, when Hitler was starting to expand his empire and take, he wanted to take the Sudanland of, of Czechoslovakia. Da Hitler utvidet sitt rike, han ville ta Sudanland i Czechoslovakia. He'd already declared his intentions regarding the Jewish people. Så hade han 
allerede erklært sin hensikt overfor jødefolket. And the nations had a choice of how to handle Hitler. Og nationer havde et valg om hvordan de skulle håndtere Hitler. And we all remember Chamberlain who went to Munich and made an agreement with Hitler, og and he kjenner... said, "Now we will have peace because Hitler has said he will do the right thing." Og vi husker Chamberlain som dro til München og møtte Hitler og sa, "Nu kommer vi til at få fred fordi Hitler vil gøre det som er ret." This was a, a failed policy. Det var en en feilslått politik. And I think Winston Churchill was one of the few who realized no, we the only way to stop this evil is to go to war with Hitler. Og jeg tror at Hit- Churchill var en av de få som forstod at den eneste måten å stoppe Hitler på er å gå til krig. So I do believe that Israel has a right to to fight against and not only Israel we should all be fighting against this spirit of genocide against the Jewish people. så jag tror att Israel har rätt till att gå till kampen här och inte bara Israel men vi bör alla kämpa emot denna folkemordsond emot Israel. I think it's also really important to realize the way that Hamas is misusing its own people. Uh, jeg tror at det er veldig viktig å forstå hvordan uh, Hamas har misbrukt det palestinske folk. Yeah, it's, it's incredible when you see the way that they use their children and women and families as human shields against Israel. Det er utrolig å se hvordan de har brukt barn og, og familier og, 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 og kvinner et, som menneskeskjold. And they deliberately put all their weaponry and, uh, and their... Uh, operations within civilian houses and hospitals and schools. Och de har med hemskt lagt alla sina vapen in i civila skolor och boliger och under moskéer och sjukhus. Because they know that they could sacrifice their children in order for the just cause that they have for Allah. Och för de vet att de kan offra sina barn på grund av sin rättfärdige sak inför Allah. And the goal is that there will be as many civilian casualties as possible. Och målet är er att det ska vara så många civila offer som möjligt. So the world opinion will be turned against Israel. Så världens opinion vill vändas emot Israel. It's a very deliberate policy and strategy. Det är väldigt bevisst politik och strategi. Ehm So I think maybe just to to conclude I think that for a concluderer så tror jag ja. Um I do believe Israel is justified in going into the Gaza strip. Jag tror att Israel har er berättigat att gå in i Gaza stripen. And I think it's realized the only way to destroy Hamas is to really go in and and take out every part of Hamas. Och jag tror att det är er riktigt att se si att de må gå in i Gaza och ta vi ut alla delar av Hamas. Uh, and we pray of course for everybody in Gaza we pray for all the families and the people of Gaza. Vi ber för alla i Gaza, alla familjer som är er där och barn. But this is really a tragedy of this broken world in which evil is so present. Men detta är er verkligen en tragedi i denna sönderbrutna världen vår vår ondskap spelar en så stor roll. So let's turn then to look at the the legal aspects of this. Låt vända oss till de juridiska aspekterna av detta. Um, does Israel have a right to go in? Har Israel rätt till att gå in? What about Hamas? Has it committed crimes? Vad med Hamas? Har de begått kriminella handlingar? Is Israel allowed to cut off electricity and water from the Gaza Strip? Har Israel lov till att kutta av 
elektricitet och vatten från Gazastripen. So you hear a lot of people saying, well, yes, Israel has a right to self-defense, but no, it doesn't have a right to um, to create a humanitarian crisis. Många människor säger ja, Israel har rätten till att gå in, men de har inte rätten till att göra ting som skapar en humanitär kris. So it's almost like Israel is responsible for making sure that all the people of Gaza have a good life. Det virker som at Israel er ansvarlig for at alle mennesker i Gaza skal ha et godt liv. Which is a really hard position for Israel to be in. It's fighting an enemy. Det er en virkelig vanskelig position for Israel å være i. De slåss mot fiende. The enemy is using its own people and families. Og fienden bruker sitt eget folk, familier. And the only way it can get to the enemy is by getting into those families. Og det eneste måten å nå frem til de fiendene på er å gå inn til de familiene. And yet the world is saying Israel is using too much force. Og da sier verden at Israel bruker for mye makt. So I thought maybe I'll just give you a little bit of an outline how international law works in this situation. La meg gi dere en liten utkast til hvordan folkeretten virker i sånne ting. Okay, so the first thing is... The Gaza Strip is not occupied territory. Husk nå dette at Gaza-stripen er ikke okkupert område. In 2005, Israel left the Gaza Strip. I 2005 så forlot Israel Gaza-stripen. It forcibly removed 8,000 Jews from Gaza. Med tvang så flyttet de 8,000 jøder ut fra Gaza. These were Jewish people who'd build up beautiful communities and infrastructure and farms in Gaza. Dette er jødiske mennesker som bygde opp vakre samfunn med infrastruktur, bondegård og flotte ting i Gaza. And Prime Minister Sharon thought it was a brilliant idea to just to unilaterally withdraw from Gaza. Og statsminister Sharon tenkte at det var en vakker tanke å bare ensidig trekke ut alle jøder fra Gaza. And this would be a way of disengaging from the Palestinians. Og dette ville bli en måte å slutte å stride med palestinerne og skape en fredelig situasjon. Now, he didn't realize, of course, that Hamas would take control of Gaza. Han var ikke klar over, selvfølgelig, at Hamas ville ta over kontrollen over Gaza. And that Gaza became a place, a hotbed for teaching the children of this place of this place to to hate the Jewish people. Og de forstod ikke det at Gaza ville bli sentrum for det å lære opp barna til å hate jødene. But many people say, well, Israel is still occupying Gaza because there's a blockade. Mange vil si at Israel fortsatt okkuperer Gaza fordi det er en blokkade. Israel controls the borders of Gaza. Israel controls the borders of Gaza. On the Israeli side, so what goes in and comes out of Gaza, Israel is in control. So det som kommer in og ut av Gaza har Israel kontroll over. But that is only to protect itself. Men det er bare for å beskytte seg selv. Israel has no control within the Gaza Strip. Israel har ikke noe kontroll innenfor Gaza-stripen. So in my view, it's no longer occupied territory. Så etter mitt syn, så er det ikke lenger okkupert territorium. That's important legally because an occupying power has a responsibility to the civilian population. Det er viktig for meg dette fordi den okkuperende makt har et ansvar overfor den sivile befolkningen. This is the fourth Geneva Convention. Det er den fjerde Geneva-konvensjonen. So I believe in... 
quite a number of lawyers uh, as well that Israel is not under the Fourth Geneva Convention in relation to Gaza. Och jag och många andra advokater också, vi menar att Israel är er inte rammas inte av den fjärde Genève-konventionen för Gaza. It's Hamas which is the government and Hamas is responsible for its own people. Det är er Hamas som är er regeringen och Hamas är er ansvarig för sitt eget folk. And it's Hamas which attacked Israel on the 7th of October. Det Hamas som angrep Israel den 7 oktober. This was not just a random group of people from Gaza. Det är bara en tillfällig grupp från Gaza. This was an operation which took months and months and months of preparation. Det var en operation som krävdes månader av förberedelse. They had to have a lot of intelligence to work out exactly what they were doing. De hade en massa efterrättning för att utmärkla vad de skulle göra. And these were deliberate operatives who went in. They knew exactly where to go to find the women and the children and the old people, uh, and to take out the soldiers and everybody else they could find. Och det var var utsändningar med bestämda uppdrag för att ta ut kvinnor och barn och befolkningen i Israel. So Israel is facing a, a, a well-organized. Uh, operation of Hamas it's well financed it's well organized and it's very deliberate. Så Israel står överför en väldigt välfinansierad och välorganiserad operation från Hamas med massa pengar involverat. The first thing is Hamas has committed war crimes crimes against humanity on Israeli territory. Det första är att Hamas har begått krigs alltså kriminella krigshandlingar på den israeliska sidan av gränsen. And by taking hostages back into Gaza it's also committing crimes on its own territory. Och vi har tagit in i sitt eget territorium så går det också kriminella handlingar på sitt eget territorium. So one of the questions now is about how to bring Hamas leaders even the ones living in Qatar and these places. Och ett av frågorna nu hur man ska bringa Hamases ledare till och med de som bor i Qatar och deras ledare där. To the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Framför den internationella straffdomstolen i Hague. Or other proceedings to uh, to uh, to bring them to justice. Eller andra processer att bringa dem till rättfärdighet. So for example there are some hostages who have american citizenship där en del gisslor med amerikanskt statsborgarskap and proceedings will be brought in the united states against leaders of hamas och det vill vara processer anklager som bringes fram i usa emot ledarna i hamas so first hamas has committed crimes that's the first thing hamas har begått straffbara handlingar det är det första but even more importantly hamas and its allies Iran and all the others who are helping it present an existential threat to the state of Israel. Men enda viktigare är er att Hamas och alla deras allierade, de presenterar en existentiell trussel mot staten Israel. That's the new thing about this war compared with past Gaza. Det är er det nya med denna krigen jämfört med tidigare tider. And under international law Israel is uh, obliged even to respond to this threat. Och efter folkrätten så är er Israel till och med förpliktet till att gensvara till denna trussel. Every state has the responsibility to defend its citizens against citizens against those who want to kill them. Alla stater har ett ansvar för att försvara sina borgare mot uh, de som angriper dem. So under international law you have a right of self defense. Så under internationell lov så har man rätt till självförsvar. It's reflected in article 51 of the UN charter. Det reflekteras i artikel 51 i FN-konvention. 
Elle est vulnérable. Now, some people say, well, it's not a right of self-defense because Israel's not being attacked by another state. But I think quite clearly, whether it's self-defense under the UN Charter or not, Israel has a right to use force, a right to use its army. And it's a right to destroy the threat that is being made. Right, so Israel can do everything that is necessary to make sure that Hamas will never have the capacity to go in again and kill Jewish people. So Israel can do whatever is necessary for that Hamas will never have the capacity to do the same again over Israel on their territory. This is not a question of responding to these particular killings. This is not a question of destroying Hamas' capabilities. Det dreier seg om å ødelegge Hamas' muligheter og evner. Så noen mennesker sier at du bare hevner disse drapene. Eller de sier at det er en slags kollektivpunishment av de menneskene i Gaza. Eller de sier at det er en slags kollektivavstraffelse av folk i Gaza. Uh, I think that's incorrect. What Israel is doing or should be doing is yep. destroying Hamas. Jeg tror det er ikke er korrekt for det Israel bør gjøre og som de gjør er å ødelegge Hamas in order to remove the threat that Hamas is. For å kunne fjerne den trussel som Hamas er. So there's a basic military right. Så dette er grunnleggende militære rettigheter. But of course there are limits to that right. Men selvfølgelig er det grenser for de rettigheter. Uh, and there are two main limits. The first one is uh, the principle of necessity. Uh, og det er to særskilte begrensninger, og det ene er prinsippet om nødvendighet. You can only do those things that are necessary to remove the threat. Du kan bare gjøre de ting som er nødvendige for å fjerne truslene. So it's 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 very difficult for the Israeli army, the IDF. They're always making decisions. Det er veldig vanskelig for de israelske herren, IDF, for de må alltid ta beslutninger. What is necessary in order to get rid of Hamas's capabilities? Hva er nødvendig for å fjerne Hamas's evner og muligheter? And these are decisions that only the IDF leadership can take. Og dette er beslutninger som bare lederskapet for IDF kan ta. So journalists... Christian theologians, journalists, Christian theologians. We don't have the right to say what Israel should be doing. We have no right to say what Israel should be doing. You have to sit in the shoes of the military commander who's making the decisions. You must sit in the shoes of the military commander who's making the decisions. But it has to be, first of all, it has to be necessary, and the second thing is it has to be proportionate. The first is that it must be necessary, and it must be proportional. Now, there's a lot of confusion about what proportionality means. Proportionality does not mean that Israel can only kill 1,500 people of Gaza because they kill 1,500. Proportionality betyder ikke at Israel kan bare drepe 1,500 mennesker i Gaza fordi Gaza drepte 1,500 jøder. Israel has the right to destroy one million people in Gaza if they are the threat to Israel's existence. Israel has the right to destroy one million people in Gaza if they are the threat to Israel's existence. 
but it is obliged to make sure that anything it does is not excessive. Men de har ansvar for at ingenting de gjør ikke skal være med unødvendig overdrevelse. That's the word that international law uses, not proportionality, but excessiveness. Det er det ordet som folkerett bruker, det er ikke proportionalitet, men det er for stor styrke. So the number of civilians who might be killed by a bomb or some other action. Så det antall sivile som kan bli drept av bomber eller annen handling. Must not be more and must not exceed the number that is absolutely necessary in order to achieve the military objective. Må ikke være mer eller annerledes enn det som trengs for å oppnå det militære målet. And this is really, really difficult. Og dette er virkelig, virkelig vanskelig. If you have to take out Hamas, it's in the cellar of a huge building. Hvis du må ta ut Hamas i kjelleren i en svær bygning. Then you have to take out that building. Så må du ta ut den bygningen. So what the IDF does is it warns everybody who's in that building. It sends SMS's. It sends messages to these people. Så det IDF gjør er å advare alle de bygningene. De sender SMS'er og meldinger av alle saker. It says you leave the building within one hour because we are going to take out this building. Dere må forlate bygningen i løpet av en time for vi skal nå ta ut den bygningen. There's no army in the world which goes to the lengths that the IDF does to warn the civilians. Det finnes ikke noen her i verden som går til så omfattende steg som IDF gjør for å advare det. The problem is we see on television only the results. Problemet er at på TV så ser vi bare resultatene. We see a building that's been destroyed and we see a whole lot of horribly miserable people. Og vi ser bygningen som blir ødelagt og vi ser masse forferdelige og triste mennesker. But it doesn't say anything about the decision-making process that Israel has gone through. Men dette sier ingenting om den beslutningsprosessen som lederne i Israel må ta. And I do believe the Israeli army is held itself to the highest possible standards of ethical conduct. Og jeg tror virkelig at Israels her holder seg selv ansvarlig og for den aller høyeste etiske standard. Jeg vil gjerne snakke litt om the siege of Gaza. Jeg vil gjerne snakke litt om beleiringen av Gaza. Så Israel supplies electricity and water to the Gaza Strip. Så Israel skaffer elektrisitet og vann til Gazastripen. And when this war broke out, they immediately said, we're cutting off all the water, all the electricity, all the fuel, all the food that goes into Gaza. Og med en gang krigen brøt ut, så advarte de og sa, vi kutter ut all elektrisitet, alt vann, all gass, all mat til Gazastripen. And they called it a siege of Gaza. Og de kalte det en beleiring av Gaza. And some people say, well, you're not allowed to do that. Og noen mennesker sa, men du har ikke lov til det. You're not allowed to make the people of Gaza suffer because it's a war against Hamas. It's not against the people of Gaza. Du har ikke lov til å få folket i Gaza til å lide, fordi det er en krig mot Hamas. That's actually not true. Men det er faktisk ikke sant. A siege is a legitimate way of waging war. En beleiring er en legitim måte å føre krig på. To surround an area, a city or an area, in order to put pressure on the the army in that area. Og omringe et område for å kunne legge press på hæren i det området. And Israel says the electricity we supply into Gaza Strip, we are not going to allow Hamas to misuse this electricity. Og Israel sier at den elektrisiteten som vi skaffer til veie i Gaza Stripen, vi vil ikke tillate at Hamas skal kunne misbruke den. To make their bombs, to send more bombs into missiles into Israel. For å lage sine bomber og sende flere bomber inn i Israel. 
So I think it's, it's quite reasonable for Israel to cut off its electricity, which, by the way, is only a small part of the electricity in the Gaza Strip. So I think it's quite reasonable to cut off the electricity, which, by the way, is only a small part of the electricity in Gaza it's even allowed to stop its water supply into Gaza Strip. But Israel supplies less than 10% of the water in Gaza. And the real problem is that Hamas has never built up a decent a system for creating water supply to its uh, to its civilian population. Och det stora problemet är att Hamas har aldrig lagat ett ordentligt system för att uh, ge vatten till sin egen befolkning. Uh, and there's a lot of evidence that Hamas is using the Israeli infrastructure to destroy it and to make bombs out of it, make missiles. Och det är massor beviser för att Hamas brukar det israeliska försvaret för att lägga bomber och andra raketer av det. They even dug up the water pipes from Israel and they make missiles out of the pipes. Ja, till och med gravde upp vattenpiper, vattenrör från Israel för att kunna lägga sina eh, missiler, sina raketer. So this is why Israel says we, we are not going to do anything that Hamas can use or misuse to uh, to be killing our people. Therefore, says Hamas that we will not allow that any of what we give or lager can be used by Hamas to kill our people. And Israel actually called for the people of Gaza to move to the south towards the border with Egypt. And Israel called the people of Gaza to move to the south for to avoid so in order that it can destroy Hamas so that civilians will go to safety and it can really hit the Hamas targets. For att de kunde ödelägga Hamas och civilbefolkningen kan komma sig trygghet tryggt. Then the whole world says well Israel is creating a humanitarian crisis by creating refugees. Whereas actually what Israel is trying to do is protect the people of, of Gaza. Men det Israel prövar göra är att beskydda befolkningen i Gaza. So there's a whole discussion about whether the refugees from Gaza, where should they go? So there's a whole discussion of where should the refugees from Gaza go? Um, and pressure has been put on Egypt to open its border, the Rafah Gate. And pressure has been placed on Egypt to open its borders to allow people from Gaza to allow people to go from Gaza into Egypt to a safe place. For allow people from Gaza to go into Egypt to a safe place. But Egypt refuses. Men Egypt nekter. Egypt doesn't want Palestinians in the Sinai. Uh, Egypt vill inte ha palestinere in i Sinai. Doesn't want refugees. De vill inte ha flyktinger. It also doesn't want uh, Islamist uh, terrorists on its territory. De vill inte ha islamska terrorister i sitt territorium. Um, so I think the international community has a responsibility to make sure that the civilians are protected. So I think that the international society has a responsibility for that the civil society I think from Israel's perspective, yes, it has an obligation to provide some care to the civilians. I think that from Israel's perspective, it has a responsibility to give some care to the civil society. But its primary right and responsibility is to destroy Hamas. But its primary right and responsibility is to Hamas. Um, and that's part of the work that we're trying to do is to just get that message out 
Ja, det är er en del av det arbete vi gör, det är er att få ut det budskapet. Because there's a lot of international lawyers out there who are criticizing Israel all the time. För det är er många internationella jurister där ute som kritiserar Israel hela tiden. Uh, and many of them are leading Israeli and Jewish lawyers who want to criticize Israel every time for doing the wrong thing. Och många av dem är er ledande israeliska uh, jurister och advokater som kritiserar Israel hela tiden. So it's a complicated uh, situation. Så det är er en komplicerad situation. I think it will take months before the war is finally resolved. Jag tror det vill ta många månader för krigen äntligen blir kommer till en lösning. And there's a strong possibility that it will become a regional conflict. Och det är er en stark möjlighet för att det vill bli en regional konflikt. Hezbollah in Lebanon is just waiting for the right moment to move against Israel. Hezbollah och och världen och palestinierna väntar bara på rätt ögonblick att angripa. Uh, and Iran is clearly involved in making operational decisions about what it happens. Och Iran är er tydligtvis involverat i att göra operationella beslutningar om vad som ska ske. Uh, so we'll see we'll see where it all goes. Så vi ska se hur det hela går. But I think we're in for a, a long battle. It'll be a, a public relations battle. It'll be a legal battle. Jag tror vi är vi vi måste göra oss klara till en lång kamp. Uh, PR-kamp och offentlig kamp. Um, so I think it's going to be challenging for all of us to be making the arguments about what Israel can and, and cannot do. Så jag tror det kommer att vara en utmaning för oss att komma med argumenten om vad Israel kan göra och inte kan göra. And of course Israel is not perfect and it's going to make many mistakes as it goes along. Självklart är det inte Israel fullkomna och det kommer att göra många fel. But there's no army in the world which doesn't make mistakes. Men det är er ingen här i världen som inte begår fel. And I think it's important that we stand up for Israel's right to defend itself and its people. Jag tror det är er viktigt att vi står upp för Israels rätt till att försvara sig själv och sitt folk. Good. That's pretty much what I wanted to share. Det är er, det jag önskat att säga si här ikväll. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It's a personal pleasure and honor to be here with you today, and I would like to thank you for the invitation to be part of this. Det er personlig glæde og ære for mig at være her i dag, og jeg vil personligt takke også for invitationen til at komme. Oh well, and it's a pleasure to have our guests from from abroad here, as um, as um, uh, all our guests here as as well. Og det er en ære at have internationale gæster her, sådan som alle gæsterne her. And you know, the, I can just feel the energy and the happiness in this room. Jeg kan kende energien og glæden i dette rumme. And, and <laughs> absolutely, and that makes me uh, happy, especially because of the troubling times that we are living in. Og det gjør mig glad, specielt på grund av de uh, vanskelige tiderne, som vi lever i. And I will get uh, get back to uh, to that, but I would first like to speak about a bit more happy and positive things. Och jag vill komma tillbaka till det men först så vill jag bara snacka om någon lite uh, lite mer glädjefyllda ting. Because um, Yanoge mentioned uh, that I'm a Hindu. I come from a Hindu Indian uh, family and still I'm uh, leading a part of the caucus which probably is based on Christian ideas, Christian principles. För Yanoge han nämnde att jag är er Hindu och jag kommer från indisk hindu bakgrund och Yanoge nämnde att jag allikevel leder en kristen vännergrupp which um, uh, i think shows the greatness of the values of uh, the christian uh, faith uh, som visar storheten i de kristne den kristne troens värderingar and that these are values not uh, limited to one religious group but to us as human beings och det är er värderingar som inte är er begränsade till en religiös grupp men till oss som människor 
and uh, you know the, the fact uh, the fight between good and evil the choice between good and evil right and wrong that we stand in every day it's not limited to any faith although many faiths like christianity uh, 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 spread these important values among its members and followers. Og den kampen mellan gott och ont och valget mellan gott och ont som vi står i i vardag, den är er inte begränsad till uh, religiös tro eller en specifik religion, men den är er för oss alla. And um, uh, you know a lot of uh, as you also mentioned um, um, my connection with India and Israel and a lot of people in India are very strong supporters of Israel and uh, look to Israel as one of its brother nations. Och jag någon nämnde också min koppling både till India och till Israel och många människor i India har en väldigt stark stötte överför Israel. One reason is that Indians are very spiritualistic people. Och en grund är att indiska folk är väldigt andliga. But the other reason, which is actually a bit more unfortunate, is that many Indians have seen the same struggles against uh, terror, the same fight for its existence that, unfortunately, Israelis have experienced uh, since the very day the state was created. Men en annan grund som är lite mer uheldig är att många indere ser att de också har upplevt lite av den samma förföljelsen och vanskeligheterna som det staten Israel har gjort helt sedan dens begynnelse. And um, a few years ago, there was a big terror attack in Mumbai, India, where hundreds of people were killed in a hotel, in train stations, taken as hostages. Och för några år sedan så var det en stor um, terroristaktion uh, i Mumbai, där var flera indre blev tagit i fange, uh, blev dräpt och uh, tagit som gisslor. But just killing these civilians uh, was not enough for these extremists. Men det att bara döda dessa civila var inte nog för dessa extremisterna. In Mumbai, one of the biggest cities in the world, they tracked down one of the few houses where there are Jewish uh, citizens living. I Mumbai, den stora stora byn, så fant de någon av de få husen där det faktiskt bodde judar. Because they also wanted to kill Jews as part of this terror attack against India. För att de önskat också att döda judar som en del av detta terroristangrepp mot India. And this shows that the uh, evil forces, the anti-human forces that Israel and India on its own ends um, uh, uh, have to fight against, they, 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 they view our democratic, peaceful communities as one uh, enemy. Och det visar bara att dessa krafterna som både India och Israel måste kämpa emot, de ser på um, våra demokratiska land som en felles fiende. And um, I'm very happy to have been a leader of the Israeli Friendship Group in the Norwegian Parliament for for two years. Jag är väldigt glad för att ha varit leder för Israel Israels vänner på Stortinget nu i två år. I think I've been to Israel more than 20 times and seen almost every corner of the country. Jag tror jag varit i Israel mer än 20 gånger och säkert sett vart lilla hörna av landet. And um, we as a country, Norway as a country and most other countries have a lot to learn from Israel. Och vi som nation, Norge som nation och alla nationer har massor att lära av Israel. I mean, whether it's about um, technology, um, om det uh, om teknologi, agriculture, eller landbruk, um, uh, and, and all these things that are remarkable. Och all these things som är bemärkelsesvärda. But that are almost a miracle given the circumstances and the security situation 
in the uh, area around Israel. Men som är er som ett mirakel uh, när du ser på omständigheterna runt uh, i Israel. But it's also it's also an inspiration and a, a, a model for us all to follow that as long as we believe in the light we can defeat any darkness. Men det är er också inspiration och en modell som vi kan följa i det att när vi tror på lyset så kan vi bekämpa mörke. And uh, therefore it's 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 a, uh, one of the biggest um, uh, I, I see it as one of my biggest duties in politics to stand up for Israel's right to exist and to build uh, uh, continue building the friendship between Norway and Israel as a member of parliament. Så jag ser på det som en av mina största uppgifter uh, i Stortinget och och stötta Israel och vara med och bygga uh, um, vänskap med Israel. And uh, unfortunately it's it's hard to to be here and talk to you without addressing the uh, the tragic incidents of the past few weeks. Och dessvärre så är er det vanskligt att stå här och snacka utan att snacka om de förfärliga händelserna som har skett de sista veckorna. That in the year 2023 att i år 2023 we have people killing Jews just because they're Jews. Så har vi människor som dreper människor bara för att de är er judar. People killing babies just because they're Jews. Och folk dreper bebisar bara för att de är er judar. And people taking hostages of all ages from babies to to senior citizens just because they're Jews. Och människor som tar gisslor bland bebisar och alla åldersgrupper bara för att de är er judar. These are not enemies of Israel, these are enemies of humanity. De är er inte Israels fiender, men de är er mänsklighetens fiender. And I respect and understand that the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians is controversial and that we have people with mixed views. Och jag förstår och jag respekterar att uh, konflikten mellan Israel och Palestina är er, är uh, är er, uh, har många sidor och komplicerat och att vi har människor av olika syn. But regardless of what view you have on the conflict or on any political issue. Men oavhängigt av vilket syn du har på konflikten eller något politiskt ämne. As human beings, it should be very easy for us to draw a distinction between right and wrong. Som människor så borde det vara väldigt lätt för oss att skilja mellan rätt och galt. And killing civilians, killing babies, taking innocent people as hostages, that's wrong. Och döda civila och och ta bebisar och göra detta mot uskyldiga människor det är er fel. And I also think that many people, many leaders around the world are cowards not to uh, raise the issues of hostages. There are still about 200 hostages, innocent people in Gaza right now. Och jag menar att det finns många feige uh, um, ledare runt omkring i världen som inte tar upp detta uh, denna detta med med att det är er fortsatt runt 200 gisslor som hålls som gisslor. And uh, I've had the pleasure of visiting Gaza about 10 years ago. Och jag hade glädjen av att besöka Gaza för cirka 10 år sedan. I also visited uh, the hospital that was tragically hit by uh, a rocket by one of the terrorist organizations. Och jag besökte också detta sjukhuset som tragiskt nog blev truffat av raket från en av dessa terrororganisationerna. And let there be no doubt the civilians in Gaza are suffering right now. Och låt det inte vara någon tvivel, de civila i Gaza, de lider akkurat nu. They are innocent but trapped between the fight between Hamas and the Israeli uh, nation. De är er uskyldige och uh, fångat i uh, mellan i konflikten mellan Hamas och uh, um, Israel. And our sympathies and prayers should go equally to them. 
och vår sympati och våra böner borde också gå till dem. And but we also understand that uh, in the fight against uh, uh, brutal enemies of humanity sometimes unfortunately civilians suffer. Men vi förstår också att den i den brutala kampen eh, emot eh, umänsklighet eh, så vill också civila liv gå tapt. But let us hope that this incident no matter how tragic and brutal it was might be the start of uh, something good to come. Maybe this is the wake up call we needed to to defeat uh, such enemies of humanity. Men låt oss hoppa att detta uh, förfärdliga som har skett kan vara begynnelsen på att uh, det kommer något uh, gott ut av det. I'm uh, but you know um, although we live in quite troubling times right now. Och även om vi lever i ganska vanskliga och oroväckande tider nu. When you look at the big picture many positive things have been happening. När du ser på det stora bilden så är er det också många positiva ting som har skett. And I'm I'm 35 years old. I'm a fairly young person. Och jag är er ganska ung, jag är er 35 år. But I never thought that in my uh, lifetime I would see Arab nations making uh, peace and relations with Israel. Men jag trodde aldrig i löpt av min livstid att jag kom till att se att arabiska nationer ingick fred med Israel. And it's it's um, it's, it's quite a, a feeling going to either Ben Gurion Airport or, or Dubai Airport and see so many flights going between Arab nations and the only Jewish state in the world. Och det är er ganska speciellt att resa till dessa länder och se hur många fly som reser emellan de arabiska länderna och Israel. Who could have imagined just a few years ago that the Burj Khalifa in Dubai would have the David Star uh, on it uh, during Hanukkah? Eh vem hade trott att I Dubai så ville de ha Davidstjernen under Hanukkah på sig. And uh, uh, that the ruler of uh, Abu Dhabi and the Emirates uh, uh, received a special Torah made specially for him as a token of friendship at, between the Jewish people and the Emirati people. Och att den som styrer i Emiraterna uh, um, skulle motta en uh, en en Torah, en speciell Torah som gave från från Israel. There is hope in the world. A lot of things are going the right way. Det är hopp i världen och många ting går rätt väg. And those who did the terrible terror attack a few weeks ago, they wanted to derail these positive steps. Och de som utförde detta förfärliga terrorangrepp för ett par uker sedan, de önskade att utsletta dessa goda tingen som har skett. But we will not let them succeed. Men vi ska inte låta dem lyckas i det. But you know the true um, uh, these things uh, are also um, talks of a political nature. Uh, men dessa tingene handlar också om uh, om uh, politik. But the true um, um, evidence on if things go forward is when we manage to collaborate on on other things and get more people to people contact. Uh, men det sanna beviset på att ting går framöver uh, det är er att vi klarar att samarbeta och att vi får mer kontakt mellan människor. Whether it's between uh, Israelis and, and uh, Arabs, and we see a lot of tourists going, for instance, between Israel and, and Dubai right now. Enten om det gäller kopplingar mellan arabiska länder och Israel, och vi ser att det är mer och mer turism som sker mellan de arabiska länderna och Israel nu. Or it's the relationship between our country, Norway, and Israel. Eller om det handlar om relationen till vårt land från Norges relation till Israel. My aim as a politician is not not just for Israel to be the topic in in what we in Norway call party speeches. Eh, mitt mål som politiker är er inte bara att Israel ska vara ett eh, ämne eh, 
i, i det vi som normen kallar festsamtaler. We want real things to happen between real people, real cooperation, organic cooperation. Vi önskar att det verkliga ting ska ske mellan verkliga människor och verkligt samarbete. Therefore I have worked um, to increase um, cooperation on research. Därför har jag jobbat för att föröka samarbete i när det gäller forskning. More trade between companies. Eh, mer handel mellan eh, företningar. Students uh, uh, exchanging between the two countries. Och studentutväxling mellan de två länderna. And also more uh, tourist uh, airline routes between the countries. Och og mer turistfly som går mellan länderna. Because the connection we need is not from parliament to parliament. The connection we need is from between people's hearts, the hearts of normal people. För att kopplingen vi tränger är inte bara mellan styrelsmakter och till styrelsmakter, men från hjärte till hjärte till människor. And we are fortunate that there are many, many fields in which our countries can cooperate, but also in which Israel can learn from Norway and Norway can learn from Israel. Och vi är heldiga med det att det är många områder som länderna kan samarbeta och också att Norge kan lära från Israel och Israel kan lära från Norge. Norway has played an important part uh, uh, also in the, in, in the brief history of Israel. Norge har spelat en viktig roll också i Israels korta historia. Uh, both in terms of attempting to make peace for the Palestinians although not always so successful. Både när det gäller det att försöka och skapa fred med palestinerna, även om det kanske inte har varit så vellyckat. But also in the support that Norwegians and especially um, uh, churches and assemblies around the country have extended to Israel for the last 70-80 years. Men också den stötten som speciellt menigheter och kristna kyrkor runt omkring i Norge har vist till Israel genom åren. And I think that's the reason that Israel has a very special place in many Norwegians' hearts. Och jag tror att det är grunden till att Israel har ett väldigt speciell plats i många norrmäns hjärter. But as politicians, as members of parliament, men som politiker och som medlem i stortinget, we are completely dependent on ideas, suggestions from you, from from the people out there, from churches, from other organizations on what we can do to increase cooperation and the ties between Israel and Norway. Så är vi helt avhängiga av att få idéer från folket där ute, från kristna, från andra organisationer om om hur vi kan göra detta bandet mellan Israel och Norge ända starkare. Because we can facilitate, but the real work will have to be done out there. För vi kan lägga till rätta, men det verkliga arbetet måste göras där ute. And we also saw that uh, after the attack on 7th of October how many Norwegians were in Israel. Och vi såg också det efter angreppet den 7 oktober hur många norrmän som faktiskt var i Israel. Whether it was touristic groups, students, others. Om det var turistgrupper eller studenter eller andra. But now more than ever we need more of that. Men nu mer än någon gång så tränger vi ända fler av dem. And therefore we need you to give us suggestions and ideas on what we as politicians can do and what we should work on. Och därför så tränger vi dere till att ge oss förslag och idéer till vad vi kan göra för att göra detta arbete. I think with those uh, words I would once again from the bottom of my, of my heart like to thank Janog and all of you for welcoming me here. Och med de ordene så vill jag igen bara hjärtligt tacka dere alla sammen Janog och dere för invitationen att komma. And I hope that this will be one of many events coming that uh, emphasize the important relationship between Norway and Israel. Och jag hoppas att detta är en av många tillställningar för att visa vikten av relationen mellan Norge och Israel. So thank you so much. Så hjärtligt tack.